Good morning, everybody. All right, that was like half of y'all. Good morning, everybody. Lincoln and Shana, it's good to see y'all. Love you very much. My name is John. I am one of the pastors here, and we are in our final week. Everybody say, oh, Our final week in this series called The Movement. We've been talking through the book of Acts. We started the year in Acts. We took a little break. Now we're coming back into the book of Acts, this incredible move of God that happened. And it didn't just happen back then. It's continued to happen throughout the course of modern human history. And if God can do it before, he can do it again. Some of y'all are already with me. I love it. We've been dialoguing on what would it look like for this extremely amazing, extraordinary move of God to happen in the real world, in our real lives. And what we see here in the book of Acts is God working through ordinary people like you and I, supernaturally empowered by his spirit to change the world. Last week, we kind of dialogued on this idea that if you want to see Book of Acts realities, which we do, we long to be a Book of Acts church in the 21st century, and if you want to see Book of Acts realities, you have to devote yourself to Book of Acts priorities. And these jokers, these disciples, these men and women of God in the Book of Acts bathed their lives in prayer. They didn't just put little sprinkles there. They bathed, they saturated, they immersed their lives in prayer. And so as we wrap up the series here in the final week, I wanted to actually jump back a few chapters into Acts chapter eight. There was a message that was burning in my heart coming back actually from Guyana. And then I got sick and wasn't able to preach it. And I feel like it is the perfect ending. If last week was all about bathing our lives, bathing our families, bathing our businesses in prayer, this week is about the God that we are praying to and the potency he has to do exceedingly and abundantly more than we can ask or think or even imagine. So if you'd stand with me one more time to your feet, I know it feels like spiritual musical chairs, just trying to get some steps in on your Fitbit or Apple Watch if you have the enlightened technology, Lisa. That's okay, though. I'll pray for the rest of y'all. Acts chapter 8 is where we're going. Turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we got you covered. Sky Bible for your viewing enjoyment. And if you are ready to go this morning, say, preach it. All right, I will. We'll kick off in verse one. Now on that day, a great persecution broke out against all the church at Jerusalem. This was right after the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Now godly men buried Stephen. They mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church. Now remember, we're jumping back. This is Saul who eventually became Paul, but at this point he's still Saul, the murderer of Christians, the murderer, the the one who's hunting these followers of Jesus. He began to destroy the church. He was going from house to house, dragging off men and women and putting them in prison. Now those who had been scattered preached the word. Turn to your neighbor and say, preach the word. They preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and he proclaimed Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs, check this, when they heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs, when they heard Philip and saw, thank you, the miraculous signs, they were Amazed. They all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed, and there was great joy in that city. 
Now, for some time, there was a man named Simon. He had practiced sorcery in the city. He had amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. Maybe you got a friend like that. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is the divine power known as the great power. But when he ran into Philip, who preached the good news of the kingdom, verse 12, in the name of Jesus, and people were baptized, both men and women. Simon, even Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed, he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. We're talking about a God and we're talking about experience where a dude who had been the man in a city literally nicknamed the great power all of a sudden encounters something that he says, I know they've been calling me the great power, but I don't know about this power, but I know it's greater than I. And he bows his knee. What is and who is this great power? And is it possible that it's still available? find out next week. No, I'm just kidding. Let me pray for us. Jesus, speak to us. Amen. Turn to your neighbor, high five him, grab a seat. I want to talk power. Turn to your neighbor and say, poder. Turn to your other neighbor and say, poderoso. You're like, what, what is that? I just, you just cussed at your neighbor. No, just playing. You did. That's, that's power in Spanish. La lengua de los cielos. I mean, I mean. Anyone here like to be the bearer of good news? Anybody like to be the bearer of good news? Some of y'all like to be the bearer of bad news and we forgive you, but uh, a lot of us like to be the bearer of good news. My wife and I have two kids and our youngest, Lucia, sweet little Lucy, she's three years old. This girl loves to be the bearer of good news. One of her favorite moments of any day is when Brubra, her older brother, Liam, who just turned six, which is wild, when he wakes up from a nap, Lucia is elated. She'll be sitting there. She typically takes a shorter nap and she wakes up. She says, is brother awake? I'm like, no, shh, be quiet. You know, if you're a parent, you're like, when kids are napping, you're like, everyone, hush. This is our moment of peace and serenity. And so she says, is brother awake? I'm like, no. And she'll walk to the door. Like, no, wait. And she's like, oh, I want to see brother. I want to see brother. And so finally she'll hear the door open and she just whips her head around. Brother! She goes running to Liam and she's so excited to tell him what the rest of the day is gonna entail. If it's, if it's Saturday, if, our, if it's our Shabbat, we do family movie night. And so she's like, we're gonna watch this movie or we're gonna swim in the pool. She's so pumped when her brother wakes up from a nap and he's still kind of like groggy eyed to get in his face and tell him the amazing things that the rest of the day entails. And it's not just Lucia. We, there, there's something in humanity where we love to be bearers of good news. Maybe it's not post-nap time festivities, although adults, why did we stop that? What, someone needs to, we need to reclaim nap time. I mean, can we be like the Spanish? Can we be like Espanol, like, the, like in Spain? Like, I feel like I need a siesta every day. Anyways, let's work on that, peoples. Um, but we love sharing good news. Maybe it's not post-nap time adventures, but maybe it's this amazing new restaurant you found or this incredible deal that you scooped up on Prime Day. Or maybe it's a promotion at work or, or maybe it's a parenting tip that you're like, thank God, you know, this worked. So I gotta tell all of my friends I've been pulling my hair out or lack of hair out and I gotta let them know what's going on here. We are literally hardwired to share good news. It spans personalities and it spans cultures and it spans demographics. We are wired to share good news. 
A few weeks ago, we spoke about God's word, the incredible, enduring power of God's word, the potency of God's word, the transforming power of God's word, and how we need to know the whole story and allow it to transform us. And if that was a few weeks ago, this week is all about what you do with those incredible, powerful, life-transforming words from God. And we see here in Acts 8, and we're reminded by Luke of what we do. You know what you do with those life-giving words? You share them. That's exactly right. You share them. I got a few stopping points along the way. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to jot this down so you could peruse at your leisure later and allow God to continue to speak to you through his word. The first point is this, preach the word. Turn to your neighbor again and tell him, preach the word. Preach the word. The first lesson we're given here is these guys preach the word. Look at this, verse four. Now, those who had been scattered... Remember, they were scattered because of the persecution that began to happen. They preached the word wherever they went. We talked about this a little last week. In Acts 1.8, Jesus gave these disciples, these very same ones, a commission. He said, listen, I want you to go and preach the word, and you're going to do this, and you're going to make disciples from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And you remember what they did? They did exactly what we do. They chilled where it was comfortable. They stayed right where they were and, and then persecution hit and hardship hit and challenges came and all of a sudden, they get scattered all over the known world because God will often use uncomfortable situations to bring about his kingdom purposes if, if we're open and available to him. See, humans have this proclivity, this inclination to settle for comfortable. And the question in my mind is, how do you respond when change happens that you were not anticipating? Anybody have a hard time with change besides me? Any creatures of habit out there? I'm like, I got my flow. I'm gonna eat the same thing for breakfast. I'm gonna wake up at the same time. Like, I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. I'm a rhythm guy, right? How do you respond when change happens, especially change that is uncomfortable, especially change that's it's a little bit scary. And we find great inspiration because these very ordinary disciples and followers of Jesus, just like you and I, when change happened and they were scattered, what they did is everywhere they went, they preached the word. Even in the midst of fear, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of hardship that, that had happened in their lives, everywhere they went, they acknowledged, wait a second, I'm not just going, I'm being sent because my very identity as a follower of Jesus is a missionary. And so wherever they went, they preached the word. I'd love for you to pause with me for a moment of self-reflection and ask yourself this very question. When is the last time you preach the word to somebody you care about. I'm not talking out of obligation. I'm not talking out of some nauseating spiritual thing, trying to get a religious notch on your belt. I'm talking about, I love this person, I, this coworker, I care about this neighbor, man, I think they're so great. And because I love them and I want them to know God, when's the last time you preached the word to someone you care about? When's the last time you shared the truth of what God has to say? He says it because he loves us and he wants us to thrive. Verse four tells us what these disciples did. If we want book of Acts realities, here's what they did. Everywhere they went, on their way to the ancient grocery store to get their hummus, on the way to run from persecution, on the, everywhere they went, what did they do? They, they preached the word. Now you might say, John, of course, the preacher, go, <laughs> surprise, surprise, the preacher's up there telling me I have to preach. 
What exactly? Give me the etymological breakdown of the word preach in the ancient languages. Here's what it means. Preach. If you want the modern definition, here we go. Preach or proclaim means to publicly announce religious or spiritual truths and principles while urging acceptance and compliance. It means to make a public declaration of disciples. And if we mean what we say and we long and we pray for a book of Acts church in the 21st century, I need us to understand one vital component. The movement keeps moving as the disciples preached the word. The movement keeps moving as these disciples preached the word. But quite to the point of what we did right here in our time of worship together, this this word of God, it's not just some dead ancient history textbook. It's not dead, it's alive. Scripture says living and active. Point number one is preach the word, but point number two, it's the one-two punch, is demonstrate the power. Everybody say poder demonstrate the power. You remember when you were a kid and when you got into a a sticky situation, you used to threaten calling your dad? You ever been there? You're like, man, if you don't leave me alone, I'm gonna call my dad. Anybody know just me? None of y'all are looking at me. Okay, well, I, we used to do that. I remember one time I had a, neighbor, a friend growing up. His name was Michael Smith, and um, he, he was not the tallest kid. Now, to be fair, I'm not exactly the bastion of physical prowess myself, all right? The lashes come a little bit diminutive in stature, but, but he just had, he was, he was short, but had a big old mouth. Some of y'all are like, I got a spouse like that. Okay, don't point at them right now. But he, he would just run his mouth, and he's all, Michael Smith is always getting us into trouble as kids. And I remember one time we're at the basketball court, and we're playing, we're just trying to play a game of horse, have a good time, and some bullies roll up on the court, and they start mouthing off, and I was like, oh, here it goes. Michael Smith is with me. Oh, God. And sure enough, he's like, he did not care. He just starts mouthing off right back, and these kids are like a couple grades older. We're a bunch of like shorter kids in our grade alone. I'm like, we are going to die. Michael Smith, what are you doing? And he's just, he's just talking. And then he re- they start kind of coming towards us and he realizes what he's done. And so he turns around and he says, man, if y'all don't leave me alone, I'm gonna call my dad. And he starts going on about his dad and how big and strong and scary and intimidating. Now, here's the thing. The bullies did not know his dad, but I did. I'm like, who are you talking about? <laughs> like his dad was big, but like big, not like big, you know? And like, he, he was like, he was very, he was a jolly festive man, but like he's not intimidating in the least. And, and so he's going on about his dad. And thankfully the bullies did not know his dad. And they're like, well, and they, and they backed off. And they eventually left us alone to go play on the other side of the court. But, but I remember this moment of like, bro, why, why are you trying to call in dad? He's not coming. What a bummer if we settle for a religion that's just talking about a dad that we never invite to show up. Here's what happens with Philip. Philip, he he goes ahead and he preaches with great clarity and conviction. The old school Bible word is unction. He preaches the word with clarity and then God backs it up with power. Translation, dad shows up. Look, look at this in, in, in verse eight, chapter five, I mean, uh, chapter eight, verse five. It says, Philip went, he went down to a city in Samaria, proclaimed Christ there. And when the crowds heard Philip, right? So he's preaching the word and saw the miraculous signs he did. Then they all paid close attention to what he said. 
With shrieks, evil spirits came out, paralytics and cripples were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Here's what I need you to understand. If we are saying, God, we wanna see you move in this day, like you moved back then and you moved throughout history, I need you to understand there is a one-two punch in the books of Acts. It's preaching the word and God demonstrating in power. This is what we see. Now you say, John, well, that's, that's just back then, but I mean, but I mean what? I would argue we live in a moment where we need the power of God more than ever before. Like, do you realize in the internet age, there is a proliferation of so-called prophets and preachers unlike anything we have ever known in human history? You got every TikTok influencer up there talking about this is the way, the truth, and the life that you need to follow. You got every social media individual with their opinion. There are more voices now of what is proposed truth and life and the path to enlightenment than ever before. And if there was ever a moment for Elijah to step in and say the God who answers by fire is God. Friends, I don't know if there's ever been a more needed moment than right now. And this is exactly what we see in these disciples here in Acts. They were not the most trained. They did, not, they did not go to seminary. They didn't have all the answers. All those things I think can be amazing. What they had is a knowledge of God's word, a willingness to preach God's word, and an awareness that if they just talked, it wasn't enough. They needed God to demonstrate in power. And he did. One of the guys in my life that really stirs me up for living like this is one of our worship directors, Zach. If you've ever interacted with Zach for more than like 15 seconds, like he just lights you. He's one of those guys you get around him, just like poof, passion for Jesus just sparks. You're like, you, you came in there and you're kind of like, man, I'm just hungry. I'm trying to go to lunch. You walk out, you're like, God can do anything. Forget food. I need not food. My food should do the will of the Lord. Like he just, he burns for this stuff. And it's, it's legit, it's genuine, it's in his heart. I remember talking to Zach a couple months ago. I was like, man, I just want to see God move, John. And, and so I'm just going to take Fridays and I'm just going to go out and, and, and pray and, and ask the Holy Spirit to fill me up and, and use me. And just go. He's like, I'm going to go to the mall. Like wherever I go, I'm just going to be on the lookout and say, God, whatever you want me to do. And so we were talking one day. He's like, yeah, man, it was amazing. We were, I was out to breakfast with a friend and, and we were just there and I'm open. God, use me. And, and the waiter comes up and he's like, he's Keeps rubbing in his face and rubbing in his eye. And finally, he's like, man, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I got something happening. It's like a skin irritation. And the doctors are trying to figure it out and whatever. And they're kind of like, ooh, well, are you, good thing. Are you touching our food? Or what, what's going to happen here? But Zach's like, I, I felt that little thump. He's like, did you? And he's like, I, I knew God wanted me to do something. And so I was like, hey, man, can we follow Jesus? And, and Jesus can do anything would you like us to pray for Jesus to heal whatever's happening with your face? And he had like a big rash and there was stuff. And I think I was kind of weirded out in the best way possible. He's like, uh, yeah, be my guest, sure. And so they just prayed right there. It wasn't, nobody levitated, wasn't anything super crazy. Like they just prayed right there. And, and he comes back later, drink order. I don't know what he's doing. He comes back later and his face is better. Like it's beginning to improve. And they're like, whoa, your face. And he's like, whoa, what? And he looks at it, oh my gosh. And the other guy's like, I see it too. And he comes progressively throughout the course of their meal, his face got better and better and the symptoms diminished supernaturally where by the end he's like, yeah, huh. <laughs> I'm gonna have to think about this one. And then they tipped him well because you got to make sure you do that, all right? Disciples, make sure you do both. Power of God, power of your credit card, okay? They tipped him well. I'm like, man, I, I, 
I want to live like that. Don't you? Where it's not just talk. I mean, we got to preach the word. That's a non-negotiable, but it's not just talk. By the way, it's not just Philip. This is the biblically normative expectation of what Christianity is supposed to look like. I know we got a different variant in our modern world, but let me talk to you about the Bible version of Christianity. This is how Paul said it. Paul says, when I came, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit. And what does it say? power, but in a demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This isn't just stuff that happened back then. And it's not just Philip. This is what we see of normative New Testament Christianity. This is it. This is what we're called to. Miracles came as a sign pointing to the content of the message, Jesus, the Messiah. God came in power to back up with heavenly, back up the validity of what was being preached and demonically oppressed people were delivered and the sick were healed. And I'm praying for a church like this. We're praying to be a place like this. You said, Pastor John, are you you trying to say that everybody's gonna get healed? No. We've had heartbreak in our church over this past month where people that we loved and cared for and prayed for passed away. You have to be able to grapple with this reality of Jesus said, we'd lay hands on the sick and they would recover and yet not everybody recovers. That is true. How is that true? Because I'm not God. I don't know what he's doing. His ways are higher than my ways. He's got a bigger plan than I understand. I I don't get all of the ramifications. Here's what I can tell you. If you want to see the power of God in your life, the more times you step out, the more sick people you pray for, guess what? The more people you're gonna see get healed. It's like, are you gonna hit a home run every time? No, but if you never swing the bat, guess how many home runs you're gonna hit? Zero. Get up to the plate and swing. All you gotta do is swing. How the ball connects, that's in the hands of God. But give him a shot. At least give him a shot. What was Philip doing? Following Jesus. Guess who went around and preached with clarity and then demonstrated with power? Jesus. All Philip is doing is saying, you know, I've got this rabbi that I'm following. His name is Jesus. And he went places and and he preached the word of God because that's imperative and necessary and non-negotiable. But then he also moved by compassion, reached out to pray for healing and God did it. And I'm his disciple, which means what he did, I, I want to do. We are longing to be a church like this. Greenhouse, watching online over there in Guyana, we are longing to be a church like this. And our world needs a people like this. And God provided a solution. We see it right here. It's the Holy Spirit. I got stuck on Philip for a little bit this week. I was like, I, he sounds familiar. And you guys are like, Philip, I remember that name. Well, if you remember that name, Philip, in addition to Stephen, was one of these widow waiters in Acts chapter six that was selected because they were neglecting some of the widows into distribution. Philip was just an ordinary dude in the church. That's all Philip was. Like he, he, was, he was the widow waiter. They're like, hey, Philip, get on an apron. You're serving table six. He's like, all right, yes, sir. That's what he did. That's Philip. Same as Stephen. First martyr, Stephen, normal dude, widow waiter. Signs and wonders, well, he was probably a professional minister of the gospel. (laughs) He was a table server filled with the spirit of God and it made all the difference. 
This is our boy, Philip. You're like, how in the world did he go from ordinary widow waiter to supernaturally empowered miracle worker that the man nicknamed the power of God says, bump that, I wanna follow you in this Jesus. I'll tell you how, Acts 1.8. Jesus said, but you will receive, what does it say? Poder, power. But you will receive power. Say it with me, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and we will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Guess what happened to Philip? Exactly what Jesus promised. He got filled with the Holy Spirit and he received power, just like Jesus promised. What we see is a trajectory. The disciples got this power in Acts chapter two, but now they begin using and walking in this power in Acts chapter eight, because God's power will always follow God's purpose. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't see God's power on display. Well, when's the last time you stepped out from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth? Don't be surprised if you're not going anywhere and you're like, God, where's your angelic backup? He's like, you don't need any angels. You're not doing nothing. And then you start stepping out into uncomfortable waters as your love, wave after wave, you start diving in and all of a sudden you're a little bit above your reach and you're on tippy toes, but you know what's about to wash over your head and all of a sudden, bloop, you float to the top. What happened? You received power when the Holy Spirit came upon you. By the way, this is what you're made for. This is what we're all longing for, like this deeply satisfying, fulfilling life. It's what we are created for. It's not found contrary to what our culture tells us in accumulating more stuff. It's found in following Jesus and watching his power confirm his word with signs and wonders. It was a couple months ago and, and I had a dream. I don't get a lot of dreams. I'm a very heavy sleeper. And I had this dream and, and it was so real and it was so vivid. I woke up in the middle of the night and I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I had this sense that I was supposed to tell this dream to the person it was about. It was the son of one of our pastors in Gainesville. And I remember my dad telling me, it felt like one of these uh, genie, like lineage things, this family tradition things like, man, son, as, as he got older in life, which, you know, the gray hairs are coming, he's like, God would start waking me up with dreams. And sometimes I would have dreams and I would just sleep through them. Other times I would wake up with this sense of like, whoa, that was, that was different. That was important. That was special. And I would write them down. So I remember that I pulled out my phone, like semi-cognizant state, and I jotted this dream down and put it in a notes feature on my phone and then fell back asleep and totally forgot. <laughs> Way to go, pastor. And it was five days later and I was going through my phone and I found the note and I was like, oh my goodness, I got, I totally forgot. Thank God I, te- I you know, wrote it down. And so I texted the pastor. I said, hey, can I get your son's number? And, and texted him and said, hey, and, and the, the crux of the dream was I had the dream and in the dream he was playing a guitar and everywhere he went, people kept saying, man, you're, you're getting so good. If you keep this up, you're gonna be a blessing and an encouragement. You're gonna help so many people. And, and that was kind of the, the juxta of the dream. And I felt like I was just supposed to tell him about it. So I texted him, I said, hey, I have no idea if you play the guitar or musical at all. I, I think it's probably, I mean, it was, it was kind of a weird thing to randomly text someone out of the blue. I'm like, I, I just feel like God wants to encourage you with maybe a gift that you've neglected or something. Anyways, God bless you, love you, bro. He calls me back, he's like, hey, so can you talk? I'm like, yes. He said, about a year ago, I started playing the guitar And I had a group of friends that started playing it with me, but they got better fast and I got better slow. And eventually I got so discouraged that I quit and I gave up about a month ago. I was like, 
well, wow. Well, I didn't know that. He's like, I know you didn't know that. I was like, well, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm going to pick the guitar back up and keep playing. And I hung up the phone and I was like, that was amazing. What was that? I, I, to be clear, I'm just a dude. I'm a, I'm a widow waiter. That's, that's what I am. But the power of God's spirit is open and available to anyone who's willing to say, God, I don't want to settle for just words of persuasive speech. I want a demonstration of the spirit and power. God, I'm available. Speak to me. God wants to use people. He wants to use you. He wants to use me to demonstrate his power and his love. But the tragedy is so often, and often it's not even intentionally or we don't think it all the way through. We relegate ourselves to the sidelines to watch these things take place. I don't know if you share my sentiments, but there is an aspect of driving that drives me nuts. It's called rubbernecking. Does anybody share that with me? I mean, is anyone like, can I get an amen? Pastor, you're talking, thank you. Like, this is what I mean. We were driving up to Gainesville for the microchurch conference a couple months ago, and we're going on I-75, and we're moving along, and there was this crazy scene on our side of the road. It's like a multi-lane highway where this RV had, like, caught on fire. Everyone was outside. They seemed safe. RV was not safe. It was burning down, and it was crazy, right? So ours, like, came to a standstill. We're in one lane, driving real slow, and we finally get past it, and then I look on the, other on the other side of the divided highway and it's backed up for a mile. I'm like, this is crazy. There's nothing wrong on that side of the road. Then it's backed up for two miles, backed up for three miles. Back I mean, this thing was backed up. It had to be solid 25 to 30 minutes of standstill, bumper to bumper traffic for no reason other than, whoa, what's that? Next person, whoa, what's that? Next person, whoa, what's that? Next person, whoa, what's that? And it goes on and on. I'm like, this is crazy. This is madness. Why do we do this? Please, people, if you get nothing else out of this sermon, just have a designated looker for you that tells you. I literally, Nancy, is this true? I tell Nancy, I'm like, I'm not going to look, Nancy. You tell me what's happening. I'm in Jesus' name. And I just, don't, I just don't look. I hate it. Anyways, I felt good to get out. Here's my point. It's a little bit like group therapy. Very therapeutic. Here's my point. If we are not careful, we live our lives spiritually rubbernecking. Oh, look at that. Look at that person getting used by God. Oh, look at that person. Look at God. Look, look at that. Wow, did you see? Oh, my goodness. Wow, and worship. Is that music? Wow, look at that. And you're at a dead standstill. And then you start getting frustrated because you're like, man, well, I, I, God said he would come through and I feel so stationary. All this, oh yeah, Pastor John, talk about the power of God and I'm just here stuck and you're only stuck because you choose to be. And if we would just look up, you would realize there's no obstruction in the road. You can keep going. And church, as we wrap up this series, I am praying that we would not be spiritual rubberneckers who look right and look left and get distracted with all of the things in our purview, but we would be those that say, God, I love you and I'm yours and anything you got for me, 10 and two, hands on the wheel, eyes forward, use me for your glory. I'm here and I'm ready. Because if we were to live like that, we might see stuff like that more and more and more because he's the same God and Holy Spirit's the same Holy Spirit. Here's my application point. We've been talking for months now about the movement. Here's what I'm praying we would decide in our heart of hearts. 
I'm praying that this morning you would decide to join the movement. That you would not be a passive bystander any longer saying, whoa, look at that. Wow, isn't it? Oh my goodness. That you would say, wait a second. I'm on the road myself. Holy Spirit, where are we going? Let's move. The first few chapters of the book of Acts, it's really the movement of the Holy Spirit. The first few chapters, the people are just passive bystanders. The Holy Spirit's doing all of his stuff and, and they're just kind of like, whoa, and they're, they're trying to realize the amazingness of God's potency and his power. And then a shift happens and they go from being watchers and experiencers of the Holy, that's not even a word, watchers and those who experience the Holy Spirit to being those who are participating with the Holy Spirit. Join the movement. You wanna see a book of Acts movement in power, an awakening right here in our modern day, then do what they did. Number one, get filled, get filled. You're like, Pastor John, I'm in, but I'm scared. I, I want to, but I can't. Like I, I feel this paralysis by analysis. I'm in those moments like you talked about with Zach and breakfast and I'm like, do, 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 do. my heart's beating and then I wimp out every single time. Welcome to humanity. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus knows our frame and he loves us so much. He's like, listen, I got this big mission. All the disciples are like, oh my gosh. He's like, I know you. Just wait until you get power from on high. And then you're gonna be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. By the way, the way this story ends is when this incredible thing happens at Samaria, the first thing these disciples do is they send some other disciples there to make sure they get filled with the Holy Spirit. It says, because at that time they had just been baptized. They had not yet received the Holy Spirit. Like it was the number one priority for the early church. They're like, wait, they said yes to Jesus, get them filled with the Spirit. Number one, get filled. Number two, wherever you go and wherever you find yourself, preach the word. And then number three, be ready and expectant to see him demonstrate in power. If we wanna see this movement happen, and I believe we do, we have gotta be ready and willing to move, and when God prompts us, we are those who say yes. Worship team, you can come up. We've still got a good chunk of service, so don't skip out. I know some of you like to skip out. I still love you, but it's okay. We had a, a staff sort of fun get-together thing that we did um, with axe throwing. Everyone, anyone ever done the axe throwing thing before? We did that. No people were harmed in the making of this story, so don't worry. We did axe throwing, and uh, it, it had been a crazy, you know, sprint season for the staff, and they're just so good and godly. I mean, JC and the team, and Lisa and the whole, what an incredible, just so you guys know, these, these staff that we have here, they're the real deal. Like, they are disciples. They love Jesus. They're incredible. And so we did axe throwing, and as we showed up to the axe throwing place, I really got to enunciate that X, I feel like. As we got there, um, the, the guy who was opening the door was kind of limping and I was like, hey bro, what happened? He's like, oh man, I dropped something on my foot and immediately I felt it. Doo -doo -doo. I'm like, oh no, I'm supposed to do something here. And I knew it, I'm like, I'm supposed to offer to pray for him something. And so in the moment I was kind of like, okay, got it, got it. And then I just totally forgot. I just totally forgot, like, we get going. I like having a good time. So we're, we're throwing axes and ninja stars and throwing knives and we're goofing off and we're being competitive. We're having all this fun and we go, we have a great time. Like we were nice to the guy, we weren't jerks, you know, but we got done and we're leaving and I'm pulling away from the place and it just hit me. I'm like, oh, I forgot something. And at that point, the guy's already, he, he had locked up as soon as we left and he went to go do something else. And so I'm like, I, 
And I remember that feeling of being like, Jesus, I'm so sorry, I blew it. It was like my Tim Tebow speech to God. I'm like, Lord, never again. You'll never see another person work as hard. You know, I'm like, like God needs that. And I'll tell you what, the next few times I sensed that prompting, I didn't miss it. God knows you're not perfect. He knows you're not gonna get everything right. He knows that you're not gonna swing every single time and you definitely won't hit a home run every single time, but do you want to? I mean, ask yourself in your, in your heart, what's your genuine desire? You're like, you know, John, I just, I kind of want to live comfortable. I kind of just want God to bless the things I want to do. I kind of want things to just be safe and neutral and And I get it, that's a lot of the variant of Christianity in our world right now. But if there's something in your heart that says, Jesus, I love you so much, and you rescued me when I was in a pit, and I had no other hope, and you have transformed my life to such a degree that if there is anything you want and anything you need, if there's anything on your heart and anything that moves you, if there's anything that infuriates you or anything that breaks your heart, God, and you need someone to join you in that, I'm in. And if you're there, move there. If you're there but scared, before we end this morning, I'm gonna invite you to come up and pray exactly like we see in Acts, to be filled with the Holy Spirit or filled again with the Holy Spirit. By the way, this is normative New Testament Christianity. Paul said, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled, plyroo is the original language, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I'd like for you to do this week. If you're like, John, I'm in, online, over in Guyana, like, John, I'm in, I want to live like this. Here's what I'd like you to do this week. Ask God to bring you one person this week, one person. Ask God to send you one person, to even just give you one opportunity. And when you sense the nudge, cause you will, just say yes, give it a shot. What if I blow it? I I hope you realize I just shared, my story was a low light reel, not a highlight reel, like I blew it. So I said, God, I'm sorry I blew it, give me another shot. And he did, and he'll continue to. He doesn't need incredible abilities, he just needs genuine willingness and availability. So let's give it to him.